Well, hey, welcome back to the Family Movie Night podcast. My name is Nathan, and in honor of the movie we are talking about today, 1988's My Neighbor Totoro, uh, I want to ask my wonderful co-host, what film creature, like magical creature, is your favorite to ever be in a movie? So you're the a magical creature. I'll include monsters in this. Donnie, what, what, what is just your go-to? I love that creature. I'm gonna have to go with Gizmo from the Gremlins. I mean, it's a cute, like fuzzy, cute little animal slash yep. monster. I mean, how can you not like love to see that that character on screen? Gremlins is one of those movies that I watched it with my kids maybe a, a year ago, maybe not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before. And it's the perfect movie for for at least my little girls because you first see the Mogwai and they're like, oh. Oh, he's so cute. And then when they see him turn into the gremlins, they thought they were the coolest, most disgusting creatures. So <laughs> it just was perfect for them. So I, I, I approve gremlins. Great choice. Sawyer Hewlett, you are a gremlin of this podcast. You are the villain of this podcast. <laughs> you are the, if, for, for, if Donnie is the Mogwai. I've been called a gremlin before. Let's, let's not pretend that I, that's not a, perfect adjective for me I, that, that makes sense <laughs> yeah donnie donnie is gizmo and you are what happens when he gets fed after uh, not no fed after midnight multiplies them you're what happens when he gets uh water on him so all right so <laughs> yeah now, exactly uh, so sawyer what is the magical creature slash monster that is your favorite film creature i uh, i'm gonna go with the predator because Ooh. i i legitimately thought the first time that i watched that movie I legitimately thought he was the hero taking out all of the evil humans. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's basically what the movie is a metaphor for, but that's neither here nor there, but I, I'm I, sorry. I loved it. I, I thought how, he was the best part of the movie. How do you expect us not to call you the villain of this podcast when you just went on a long monologue about how the predator <laughs> that is murdering all the humans is really the hero. He's really very sympathetic. Yeah. Welcome to the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and I am joined by, as always, by uh, Sawyer and Donnie. Uh, today, we are once again. I promise, we're not like we're not lying. We're, we're, we're uh, Heidi can't be with us once again. She's actually not feeling well today. Uh, and so we, we we couldn't have her on, but she's very upset because we are talking about a great movie today, uh, 1988's My Neighbor Totoro, which takes place in 1950s Japan, uh, where two daughters of a university professor have to move to a town to be closer to the hospital where the girl's mother is recovering from a long-term illness. And uh, while they are there, they end up running into these magical creatures, one in which uh, they think his name, based on kind of his growlings and rumblings, is named Totoro. Uh, this is a magical film. We can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, first, Donnie, tell them what we do on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night. 
to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that'll matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. Yeah. And, you know, we think that uh, movie nights are great opportunities to do exactly that because movies aren't just an easy way to share laughter and joy together, uh, but fear and sadness even in a safe environment. And uh, they also give us a, a chance to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable with our children. And so uh, we want not only to recommend some movies that you could watch with your monthly movie night, but uh, to give you some ideas of meaningful conversations that you could have with your kids during uh, or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things as a parent you feel guilty about not doing. Really, we're trying to suggest movies and ways for you to enjoy being with your family, with your kids, and to find better ways to share your love of Jesus with them in meaningful and memorable kind of ways. Now, we also want to hear from you. And so in the description of this video, or uh, if you're listening to us in your podcast description, you will see uh, a link to a form called What We Are Missing. So if you have a movie that you want us to cover, in fact, in a couple weeks, we are actually taking a listener recommendation for a movie review. You can put your movie in there, or if there's something in a movie we've done uh, you know, on an episode already, but you think we just missed an important theme or something you want to talk about, or maybe you just want to share a conversation you had with your kids during a movie. We would love to talk about that. Uh, if you have a question you would like for us to answer, we're actually thinking about doing a question episode. So you can put those in there. We would love to talk about those. Uh, but really, we just want to know who's watching so we can serve you better. So maybe just stop by and say, hey, love the podcast or hey, I hate this podcast, but I felt like leaving a comment. So that would be fine too. Uh, but let's talk a little bit right now about our movie for today, which is, like I said, 1988's My Neighbor Totoro. This is actually a Japanese animation film uh, from the animation studio Studio Ghibli, which a lot of people may not know, but is actually the uh, kind of the inspiration for Pixar. John Lasseter, who kind of helped start Pixar, was a big part of bringing these movies to the U.S. because uh, he was such a fan of them as uh, a, 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 when he was beginning in animation, he brought them. And you can really feel, and I was going to say the Pixar vibes in this, but once you see Studio Ghibli films, you start to see the Studio Ghibli vibes in all the Pixar movies. This movie is directed by Hayao Miyazaki, who is kind of the godfather of Studio Ghibli. And uh, this movie is just wonderful. Uh, so I'm not going to talk much more about it. I want to hear just enjoyment factor. Sawyer, I know when I mentioned we were going to do this, you were already excited. Uh, what are your thoughts about this movie? Yeah, I, I've loved this movie for a long time. This was, uh, this was not the first Studio Ghibli film that I saw, but it's it's probably my favorite. Um, what do you so I, think? I love this film. What do you think is your first Ghibli film? Uh, Spirited Away was the first one that I saw. Yeah. Um, I think mine is I, Princess I Mononoke. I watching Spirited Away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think mine's Mononoke. I, I saw, but... Yeah, but uh, but no, I, I freaking love this movie. It's, you know, the there's so many different things that I love about it. For one thing... Uh, it's a rare, and this is one thing that Studio Ghibli is kind of uh, unique at, but their, their dubbing 
from Japanese to English is extremely good, um, which again is pretty hit or miss in those foreign animation films. But uh, no, I mean you mentioned it—the Pixar comparisons and stuff like that. I have—I hadn't seen this movie in like five or six years, um, and uh, and I just—I was—I was watching it this morning, and I was just like, "Geez, this movie is still just as good, even though." I'm in a completely different place in life. Um, I see it through different lenses. It's a movie that will always age like a fine wine. It is just, it will always be getting better in my memory. And uh, the animation is just gorgeous. I mean, there's a there's one scene in particular that it's, it's a subtle scene, but the animation is just beautiful. So, and I'm sure we'll get into all that stuff later on because it's a Studio Ghibli film, but... Yeah, I, I love everything about this movie. Donnie, I know you watched this with your kids. You told me you watched it three times, actually. Uh, once by yourself, once with your wife, once with your kids. Uh, this movie, I was I was looking up, I think if you take out our episode where we briefly mentioned the movie Scrooged, mm -hmm. this is the oldest movie we've done on the podcast, 1988. Mm -hmm. uh, your children not born anywhere near 1988. No, uh, no. Does this movie age well for your kids when they watched it? Yeah, it seemed like it did because they were they were engrossed in the visuals, engrossed in the characters, like, and they were they saw so many little things. Like it'd be like little conversations they'd say while they were watching it. They'd be like, "Oh, they have really good manners." Oh, that's like just like the little nuances of things. It's just they were so like engrossed in it. Like I. I didn't know what to expect because it wasn't a style that they have seen before. So I was expecting, I was like, I didn't know if they were going to be like, I don't want to watch this or not, but they were like, I want to watch it. And then when they saw me watching it, they were like, can I yeah. watch it with you? <laughs> and I was like, so yes. they almost watched it twice. So, <laughs> well, I think, you know, so this movie takes place in the 1950s in Japan. It's post-war Japan. Uh, it's made in 1988. It is not CG animation. It's hand-drawn animation. And uh, if you're into animation, uh, there's a great movie uh, that is a documentary on Studio Ghibli. Uh, I was trying to look it, look it up. It's called something about dreams and madness or something like that. I, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second, and uh, someone can Google that for me. Miyazaki documentary. Uh, but anyway. They talk about the way that they do this. It, it is even different than the way Disney does did hand-drawn animation, even in the 90s, in that everything is fully hand-drawn. Nothing has gone through computers at all. It is absolutely gorgeous. But for all means, hand-drawn animation set in the 1950s, uh, made in 1988, long stretches of this movie are pretty quiet, like not a lot of dialogue happening. This movie might be, outside of Home Alone, which we also talked about might be my, my children's favorite movie. When I told wow. them we were watching Totoro, there was rapturous applause mm. in our home. They love this mm. movie. And if I will tell you, here's why I think it is. And what I think your family would love about this movie, even beyond the themes, this movie understands children. And I would say all Miyazaki films understand children in the way that Pixar films understand parents. Yeah. So, uh, if you watch a Pixar movie, Pixar <laughs> perfect. I, I think Pixar doesn't understand children, but it really under they really understand parents, uh, and they understand. That's why parents love Pixar. They go and they cry. 
when they watch them. Hayao Miyazaki seems to, and I remember there's there's a thing in the documentary. Did someone look it up with the name of the yeah, documentary? It's the, I think it's called The Kingdom of Dreams it. and Madness. Kingdoms Kingdom. of Dreams and Madness. Yeah. It is beautiful. It's wonderful. And if you're a Miyazaki fan, I gave the whole box set of Miyazaki movies to uh to Heidi to be able to watch this because she doesn't have HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, all the Studio Ghibli films are on there, even the ones that aren't Miyazaki ones. You should watch them. Um, they're all wonderful movies. But uh, in particular, the Miyazaki ones are great. If you love those, uh, the Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness gives you a way to understand more. And he taught. they talk about how well he understands kids. This movie, I don't think, I would say, I don't think there's a live action movie. I don't think there is an animation movie that when I watch it, the this movie better understands the way little girls act and behave and think and view the world in, in just such this carefree, wonderful way. My girls love it. There's a four-year-old named May and a 10-year-old named uh, Satsuke, and she is... She, their, their their relationship is just perfect. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the part that is probably the biggest draw of this movie, which is Totoro, yeah. who is an iconic, I mean, just his figure. You once If you've never seen the movie, once you see the movie, you'll understand all the characters you see at any Barnes & Noble. If you go into a <laughs> Barnes & Noble, there is a Totoro somewhere in that Barnes & Noble, but you didn't know it. Uh, you've seen this character before. He's iconic looking. Uh, he kind of looks like a Snorlax from Pokemon. Um, and he is, but he's a wonderful character, but there's, I bet there's 30 minutes in this movie and it's a short movie too. It's under an hour and a half. I think it's like 88 minutes or something like that. Uh, and there's like 30, maybe 40 minutes of the movie that there's really nothing magical happening. It's just these girls right in the middle. They're just kind of hanging out and, my kids love Yeah, I, I bet Totoro has less than 20 minutes of screen time in the movie. Right, yeah, but all of his not screen much. Time, yeah. All of his screen time is super memorable. Mm -hmm. and, and it sticks Oh, yeah. And we didn't even talk about the cat bus. The cat <laughs> bus is wonderful uh, and disturbing. He has the thing, I think, Miyazaki does this, and you'll see this. In fact, we'll probably talk about other Miyazaki movies because I love them so much. He has the thing that Guillermo del Toro has in his creatures in that they're somehow both beautiful but disturbing. Like, there's something about cat bus that you go, wow, that is just gorgeous and cute and adorable to look at, but would be terrifying if I saw it. The door just opens up from his flesh and <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying, but absolutely gorgeous. Uh, this is a movie we where I mean, are we all just saying not only uh, could you watch this with your kids, but you probably should watch this with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is a great movie. So now's the time we want to get straight into themes. And so you've probably already seen this. If you've seen the description, the theme of this movie that is so powerful really is this idea uh, once again, that Pixar kind of riffs on in the movie Inside Out. But it's this general idea that joy can be found in the midst of sadness and, and fear and bad circumstances. That the circumstances in life do not determine whether or not you can find joy. And uh, I'll, I'll, we'll just be open. There's a lot of this movie that's very magical. Um, Miyazaki himself, there's a lot of uh, Shinto, which is the religion of, uh, that's, I wouldn't say it's the religion of Japan, but it certainly is native to Japan. Um, and animism and, and naturalism and all these kind of things are really his influences. Uh, but this movie has a lot of that magical kind of stuff in it. 
But we're going to talk about it here. There are certainly elements that you can see uh, that really lean on um, the, our understanding of the Holy Spirit and Christ and the way that he interacts with us in our life. And so we want to have big conversations about all that today and then try and make it really practical towards the end of how you can have these conversations with your kids. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the movie to help us get into that conversation. Uh, the movie begins, as many Miyazaki movies do, with a family moving to a town. And uh, there's a reason, and normally it's a bad reason, right? Um, th in this particular reason, uh, the girl's mother uh, is recovering from a long-term illness in a, a hospital that is near this town, and they want to be closer to her. They even say that like the air is more fresh here. Um, and so the dad regularly has to still go back to the city on a train to, because he's a university professor and the girls are kind of left at home. Uh, and from the very beginning of the movie, uh, there's another movie that Sawyer already mentioned called Spirited Away that has a very similar beginning, but the characters are completely different. Uh, the, the character in Spirited Away, uh, very much, uh, Chihiro is her name. She is grumpy about it. She is bitter about this move. She doesn't, she is not looking forward to anything. She's actually older too. She's more like a teenager, like a preteen age. And these two girls, um, they find joy there. They see an adventure. Oh, we're moving to this new house. Uh, and they, they find, Hey, we're out in nature. Let's go out and figure stuff out. They have this very joyful attitude. And Donnie was talking about early on that the first thing he saw in this movie was this idea that change often, well, to all of us, but often to, often to kids is a thing that brings fear and sadness but that change can often be a good thing. And this is a way for us to talk about this to our kids. So, Donnie, how do we use this movie to talk about how change can be a good thing with our kids? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, I mean, kind of to set the scene a little bit, like, um, you know, like what Nathan was talking about is that you have these kids that are um, moving to a different town, different home, so different environment, different people. And there's so much hope about this. Um, there's not that idea of, you know, oh, there's dread to this, there's this this hopefulness to it. And I think a lot of that happens in our everyday life on a practical practical way is that, you know, when kids are dealing with um, parents, like being in a, a divorced home, um, dealing with a new school, or when they're moving to a new location, I mean, those things can be very difficult. But a lot of times the difficulty comes with being afraid that it won't be either as good as you expect or not being good enough for what you need and depending on how hopeful you are of what the possibilities are you can that whole thing can change because and i think that's the thing that you see in this movie is that they could have easily been very discouraged that hey we're going somewhere new i'm not going to know anybody i may not know a lot about the place around me but they didn't they took that opportunity as, you know what, these are new things to explore. These are new things to learn. These are new people that can teach me things. And they did, you know, and they met um, a woman that they, they were told to call granny. So she was like the, the grandmother for like the, the town, it seems like. So she was very, that loving individual. And I love that. Um, and I think that's a big part like that you see in this is that that hopefulness, because yeah. there's always that present, like, um, of course, you know, dealing with the different age gap, I'm sure, sure when you have a conversation with your kids, like your older kids are going to have a little bit more 
apprehension to change because they have become to see the world and understand what's happening. Like, well, I have developed relationships with people that I want to keep this relationship with, or I, you know, I enjoy all the things that are here. Whereas your younger children are generally more optimistic because they haven't experienced everything. They're like, Oh, okay, cool. Something new. Cause that's what they're excited about is new. Whereas yeah. as you get older, you tend to become more comfortable with the normalcy of the same. Because yeah. it makes you feel comfortable in your know, your own skin, kind of thing. Well, and Donnie, don't you think too? One, Granny, I mean, just a fantastic character, might rival Abuela Claudia from In the Heights as my favorite grandmother in any movie we've talked. But I don't know, Abuela Claudia might still be. I mean, just ugh, just oh, she was great. Oh, Granny was great because yeah. like she just she was always there when they needed him, and like she was, and it was never like I think that was really cool to me is that. Even when she said things or when she was talking to them, it was never a way of talking down. It was always talking to them. And oh, I that's good. Some, I think sometimes as we get older, we think that, oh, well, we have to talk a certain way to a younger person. But if you talk directly, she she treated them as an equal. And yeah. I think they they respected that. And that's why they loved her so much. Well, and I think. So I'll just briefly say this. I say everything I'm going to say briefly, and I don't. But this time I will. Uh, you know, Mr. Rogers, I know, is very famous for he would always get down on his knee to be eye to eye with kids, even if he was just having a friendly conversation because he wanted to be on the same level. It's just a way to get your body. To, and I think that what you're saying is true is we often talk down to kids. And I would say this is a movie, just by its nature, it is starting on the level with the kids. Yeah, It is from their perspective. It has that. You know, and so everything Donnie said, I think, is huge, especially just the practicality of what you said, Donnie, of, uh, you know, doing youth ministry as long as I did change, especially for, uh, I'd say, eight, nine, 10, up to 18. It is the leading cause for a lot of kids of fear and sadness uh, because they don't know how to process those things. And we really teach kids, hey, you should just kind of get over it. And you should just kind of move on. And it's not that big of a deal. But what this movie does well is it says, okay, if if your your parents have gone through a divorce and that's scary and you don't know what's going to happen or that's making you sad, if if your parents are remarrying and that's scary or it's making you sad, if you're going to a new school, if your best friend moved away, if your dad lost his job and now you're having to kind of do this, or if your grandma is sick or your mom is sick or any of these situations that are both sad and scary, right? Yes, look for the change that is good and help. There's parts of this change that are good and helpful. But the other part that this movie helps the, the older kid, the daughter who's 10 years old, uh, Satsuke deal with is it's also okay to embrace the sadness, yeah. that there is a sadness of it um, that is totally okay and that you don't have to be afraid of sadness because what most of us is because we want to be optimistic. And when you're a child, it's easier to be optimistic and only see, because like you said, May, who's the four-year-old, she's not even aware really what's going on. Yeah. And in fact, some of her unawareness puts her in a bad situation towards the end of the movie. She gets lost because she just, she doesn't understand the dangers of the world. She just runs off on her own to go find her mom. But Satsuke understands my mom is sick, and that one point towards the end, kind of the climax of the second act, uh, beginning of the third act, is she, her realizing, oh, there's this phone call. Maybe they're calling to tell me my mom died or that her sit situation got worse. And all of her optimism just breaks. Yeah. She just crashes. 
and what she eventually learns, and the character of Totoro really becomes this very, uh, once again, not intended, but we can see is very much a Christ-like figure that is coming along to guide them through these things, to protect the children, to help them deal with all of this, um, becomes a figure for them that helps the, Satsuke realize joy can exist in the midst of sadness. Yeah. And so for us to be able to say to our kids both sides of those things, hey, don't close yourself off to the new thing that's happening. You know, don't close yourself off to the new relationships, like Donnie said. Be open to the change. But it's also okay that you're sad that your parents aren't together anymore. Yeah. It is okay that you're sad that now that someone's remarrying, that that that's kind of like in their minds a nail in the coffin that this is ever going to go back. It is okay that you're sad that granny is dying. And honestly, God would want you to feel the sadness of that because you love this person and you love this thing. It's okay that you're sad that someone's sick. It's okay that you're sad. Let's work that into this idea of embracing the new, that I can be grieve the old and embrace the new. And in fact, I can't embrace the new if I don't grieve the old. Yeah. You know? And so I think this movie, I mean, that's pretty complex for a movie that is PG and is really intended for five and six year olds. Yeah. Um, Donnie, were you going to add anything to that before we move on to our next one? I mean, I, I think you kind of like, you hit it right on the nail. Like, I mean, I think it's just, it's just one of those things where like when you're when kids and adults as well, I don't want to like leave that out as well, because I think adults have a difficulty of doing that, too, because at times we don't process the old. Like even if you're having to switch a job or switch a position because of whatever it is, sometimes we get a little bit like, hey, well, ah, it's going to be terrible. And I like my coworkers and all this stuff. And then and then they don't deal with like you know what i'm sad to leave this but there are new opportunities on the horizon and i think that's something i've learned I, really late go ahead to that donnie like one of the, I, the most like sticking out moments in my head from the movie is the dad is a great dad in this movie but yes. the movie does a good job of emphasizing this is not easy for him there's a moment where he's clearly getting stressed out where he actually, he almost snaps at the girls. And there's a moment near the end where he's at the hospital and he's lamenting with his wife and yes. stuff like that. Like it does a good job of like actually telling an adult story weirdly, but yeah. totally agree with that. Don. But from the perspective of allowing the, it's still in the kid's perspective and that it lets your kids yeah. in on exactly. your thought process. Yes. And this is what I mean by, mm -hmm. and I love Pixar. Don't get me wrong, but Pixar does not let kids in on the parents' thought process because it refuses to acknowledge. It, it really is like secretly about the parents and the parents pick up on hidden messages and things, but the kids don't. This movie openly talks about what parents are going through in moments like that. Exactly, because that's that's mm -hmm. a big part of that. Like it's just, because you like you said, you see it. It's transparency. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think that, like, as an adult, we think if we're transparent, that means we lose some type of control or some type of, like, yes. levels of things. But it's not true. Like, yeah. what it does is it actually puts you on a level playing field. They understand that the decisions that you make sometimes are not easy. The decisions that you have to do or the things you deal with are not always easy. Yeah. When they can see that, they're much more empathetic to it. But yeah. when, you know, kind of like we were talking about with the Pixar movies, like sometimes it's just, well, why is mom doing this? Or why is dad choosing this particular thing? 
And when you don't see the process behind it, it's very easy to, in, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, like to turn them into the, the villain, the parent, because, well, they're just mean. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think it is helpful, especially if your family situation is is complex and complicated. Whether I mean, whether it's you're a kind of divorced uh, situation, or you have uh, step parents involved, or your situation like mine, where uh, I have three of my daughters are adopted, and so they have birth parents that we have communication with, and that it's very complex. And I know for for my daughters a lot, this movie I think it's why it speaks so much to them. It allows you to say. You don't have to just be happy about your new situation mm -hmm. and and also or just be sad that your old situation is not coming back. There is a way to blend both of those emotions and that God wants to meet you in the middle and that God wants to help you bring all the broken pieces of your life together. Um, I have a thought to wrap that up with, but uh, Sawyer, I, I, I really want you to talk a, a minute about, you know, you see Totoro really as this character that is the rescuer of both fear and sadness for these two girls. Talk about how, even though once again, Totoro is not intended to be a, a Christ type figure, but how can we as parents use Totoro to say, Hey, that's what Jesus is like for us. So can you talk about that Sawyer? Yeah. So Easily, my two favorite scenes in the whole movie um, are when both the girls get their first interactions with Totoro. So with May, the younger girl, what I think like the movie emphasizes that she is like struggling with is literally just adapting to this new setting is the thing. And so she's off. She goes exploring and stuff like that. And that kind of gets her in trouble at the end of the movie. But at the beginning of the movie, the first time that she meets Totoro, and this is, by the way, the first time the audience meets Totoro, when she meets Totoro, like, she just hops up on top of Totoro. He's this big behemoth thing. And, like, at first, like, the first time I saw this movie as well, I thought that he was going to be, like, defensive in some way, shape, or form. But instead, he sees, oh, it's just a little girl that's laying on top of me. And he actually is extremely warm to her and stuff like that. Playful. And so I think emphasize, yeah, exactly. And so emphasizing this idea that, hey, the Holy Spirit is on your side is something mm -hmm. that like, I think of like kids that, that are like May's age. That's a, that's a gigantic lesson for them to learn. Like, hey, God is on your side and stuff like that. And God, God is not against you. He is for you. You know, that's something that, you know, a, a little, little kid, once they understand that, that, that can, change their change the way they, they like operate in the world it makes them bold and stuff like that and uh yeah I, I i love that scene that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie um but i also love the scene when satsuke meets totoro because it's in this moment of great fear so their dad is coming back from work and uh he's late and so uh that but uh it's raining out and so they run to the bus stop to take him his uh his umbrella but he's late and he's not on the bus that they thought he was going to be on. And so May falls asleep on Setsuke's back. So she's just kind of standing there in the rain with the umbrella with May on her back. It's a, it's a very beautiful scene because it like kind of drives home. Hey, here's what Setsuke's problem is throughout the movie. She's alone backpacking her little sister standing in the rain. Okay. It's, it's this beautiful scene. And then Totoro shows up and Setsuke hasn't met Totoro, but she's heard May talk about him. And so Totoro shows up and basically just is with her in this scary moment and driving home this idea to, you know, the, I'm going to say older 
but you know, nine, 10 year olds that the Holy spirit wants to be with you in those not perfect moments. The, the Holy spirit yeah. isn't going to try and like come in and miraculously change it and stuff like that, but he's, he's with you and he's going to make himself known. That's something that is such a beautiful scene. I mean, it's it. And like, as, as the oldest kid in a family, I, I relate with Setsuke the most in this movie, but, uh, yeah, I, I just I I really love this idea that Totoro is on their side and is with them in the not so perfect moments yeah. and stuff like that. I just I I love those two scenes so much because of how they drive home that Totoro is this character that is on their side. So it's I this just came to my mind and I thought this was kind of going directly with the idea of the Holy Spirit and Totoro connection. So, like, when I think it was when May was just laying there with Totoro and then Totoro lets out that groan and that sound. What made me think of is the verse where it talks about, like, um, we don't when we don't know how to pray, but the Mm -hmm. spirit itself intercedes and groans for things that we can't say with words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it feels like. It's that moment when you're sitting Mm -hmm. there with this with the spirit, the spirit is like. And you're like, I can't get these words out because I'm feeling too much fear, too much sadness or whatever emotion it is. And then it's just like the spirit just goes and just puts out this sound. And it's exactly how you feel like that. That's what that felt for me. And I think that's really important to communicate to kids. I think that's why Totoro is the way he is, um, is that he's 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 nonverbal. Uh, for kids, that's very important. And I would even say for nine and 10 year olds, it's it's very hard to put your emotions. It's hard for a. 30, 40, 50 year old to put their emotions into words. It's even yeah. harder for a little kid. And what what Sawyer mentioned, and I do think this is what the Holy Spirit does for us, is that he's just with us mm-hmm. in the midst of fear or sadness. And I don't have to put it into words. Yeah. I can just be with him. And I think that's what you see because I do think what you mentioned there, Sawyer, about Satsuke's character is she doesn't have to carry May anymore. Totoro's going to help carry that load. I think that's what that moment is. Is like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not just part of May's imagination. She does have this protector, and I don't have to be that protector. I have to play my role, mm-hmm. but I don't have to carry the weight by myself. And it's this beautiful moment. Yeah. And that's a good way to just talk about with our kids of, hey, you may not always know what to say when you're talking to God. Just be with God. Just imagine God with you like Totoro is with these this little girl. Imagine that you're 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 laying in God's lap like she laid on on Totoro. That that's such a beautiful image to kind of give to our kids that when you're sad, when you have these difficult emotions, that's how you deal with it. Um, uh, one final thought I wanted to throw out, um, and then we'll be done. So I want to keep this as short as we can uh, in, in in honor of how short this movie is. Uh, it, this movie, it, our conversation here reminded me of another Japanese art form known as Kintsugi pottery, uh, which I know has become very popular among uh, people where it is broken pieces of pottery that are mended together with gold. Uh, and so they take and it's they've become some of the most expensive pottery you can see where you break a bowl or you break a pot or you break something and then these artists will take this gold that is food safe gold 
and they repair the cracks, but they highlight the brokenness. They highlight the cracks with this gold, and it becomes even more expensive than it was before. And I just recently listened to a Japanese artist who's a believer talk about this, and he said what's different about Kintsugi that people don't realize is they are not making it when, – when, when we repair it, we are not making it just like it was before. We are making it something that is new that – I, we are bringing together the broken pieces to make something new, and we're not going to hide the brokenness. We're going to highlight it. And what he said is that's what God does when he makes us a new creation. Some of us want God to come in and make the thing back just the way it was before. But what God is interested in doing is highlighting the brokenness and making something new that is more valuable and more beautiful than it was before. And I think trying to this movie does that, which is, hey, I know you wish your family was exactly the way it was before. I, I know you wish your mom was exactly the way she was before. And this is what I think is beautiful about this movie is we don't see the mom come home. We yeah. get the idea that she should be coming home soon, but the movie doesn't end with a reunion. The movie still ends with the mom in the hospital, and but it's a beautiful, joyful ending of – there is still beauty in the brokenness. There is still beauty in the sadness. There is still joy to be had. That's a very complex thing, and this movie finds a way to, to show that, which once again, not intended to be Christian, but that is a Christian idea, that there is beauty, there is life and death, there is joy and sadness, there is beauty and brokenness, uh, beauty from ashes, all of those things. This is a way to help visualize that for our children in a way that words can't do. So we hope you guys have great conversations around this. Let's quickly do lightning round. Anything about this movie that we have not talked about that you want to get out? Sawyer, anything? You got 60 seconds. Go at it. Uh, I love. Okay. I mentioned this very briefly, but I love the vocal performances. Uh, with animation, that's always what I, I get excited about. And so the two sisters in the American version are voiced by the Fanning sisters, who are both famous actresses now. But like this was kind of like, the, I don't think it was like Dakota's start. I think she had been in a little bit before this. But uh, for Ellie, it was her first thing that she had ever been in. And uh, so they, they're great together. They have excellent chemistry. And then also the dad is the voice of Superman from the Justice League TV show, which I was a huge fan of as a kid. So uh, love the vocal performances. Um, also the animation. In those two sequences that I mentioned about loving, uh, I, it is just beautiful animation throughout the entire movie. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a Studio Ghibli film. So if this is your first one, it, it's going to hit you like a drug where you're going to want to watch another one. I promise you. So just be ready for that. And you you missed the most important vocal performance. Totoro and Catbus are played by Frank Welker, who's the voice of Megatron. Uh, yeah, that is true. So yeah. voice of Megatron, <laughs> voice of Nibbler on Futurama, uh, voice of Fred on Scooby-Doo. So this man's fantastic voice actor, but he's Totoro. All right, Donnie, lightning round. Anything you want to bring up? I mean, I think it just overall, just the visual of it. And I love the the depth of the movie. Like, I love the fact that it has so much rewatch value because it each and every time I watched it, I got something new. I got something more and I enjoyed it each time. It was it was it was so well done and so well crafted that it makes me like it gets you excited about like sharing certain things. You're like, hey, watch this. And it's like, you know, that it's going to be something that people will enjoy. So I, I just love that. That was great. Yep. I don't really have anything to add. My favorite scene is either the scene in the rain or I love the scene where the dad teaches the kids that the way you deal with these scary soot gremlins is to laugh at them. 
<laughs> and that he teaches them that laughter is a way to to spell send out fear and sadness. And I think it's a great it's a great visual. So anyway, we hope you watch this movie. Thank you guys for joining us, and we hope you have great conversations with your kids uh, and teach them how to love Jesus and His way of life even more.